Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we continue our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. The Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon Wednesdays in the Ina Dillard Russell Library on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. These events are free and open to the public, so if this discussion sparks your interest, please consider joining the conversation at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Our topic of conversation for this Times Talk is diversity within the halls of power. I'm joined in the studio today by Dr. Veronica Womack. She's a professor of political science and public administration, and she's also the chief diversity officer at Georgia College. Dr. Womack, welcome back to the WRGC studios. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's my pleasure to host you here today, and so happy to talk about our Times Talk topic. Now, of course, we're talking about diversity within the halls of power, and I thought for the purposes of our conversation, we might start off by kind of defining what are we talking about when we're talking about the diversity of policymakers at the highest level of our government? Well, when we think about diversity, typically we in the South think about physical characteristics, right? So the race of someone or the gender of someone, and of course that's part of it. But we're also talking about diversity of thought, of perspective, of ideology, of geographic location, of educational level or education, work experience. I mean, there's a number of life experiences and characteristics that we should draw from, from our political leaders. And so when we think about diversity, we're thinking about all of those factors that can assist us in making the best policy decisions that we can make. And I'm so glad that that's the lens through which we're looking at this subject, because when viewing uh, one of the articles that you'll be presenting in the Times talk, which is entitled Trump's cabinet so far is more white and more male than any first cabinet since Reagan's, Mm -hmm. I myself fell into a a kind of a way of thinking Mm -hmm. that had me focusing more on, you know, physical characteristics of Mm -hmm. those folks in his cabinet and not thinking about some of the more substantive areas of mm-hmm. their experience, their expertise. Mm-hmm. And to use myself as an example, I wonder what are some of the issues we might encounter when we handicap ourselves by solely thinking about myself being a man and you being mm-hmm. a woman, myself being white, you being black. How is that not painting the picture that we need to to address the complex nature of our society? I think that that was one of the things that really drew my attention to this particular article Because when you look at how they capture diversity, it's very narrow. And so oftentimes when we have uh, discussions about our elected officials or those in power, we typically look at diversity only in terms of gender, in terms of, of race, in terms of maybe education level, but not so much. And so we miss the opportunity to really think about the people that are gathering at the table to make decisions on our behalf. 
So when we look at this particular article, this article speaks to some narrow level of diversity as it relates to the cabinet, but it doesn't really speak to how life experiences and diversity of thought provide us with a unique lens in which to view the world and how we operate in the world and the decisions that we make. And so when we think about putting a cabinet together or drawing on a group of advisors to help us make our decisions, the most important thing is to really think about what perspectives folk bring to the table because the diversity of perspective there will allow for you to see that particular issue or that particular problem through a number of lenses that you may not be able to bring to the table on your own. And so when we speak about diversity within the walls of power, it's important for various perspectives to be at the table because that's where you get, I think, your most rich discussions, your most comprehensive approaches to dealing with the nation's problems. And when we as a society are choosing our governments or those who will represent us Mm -hmm. in the government— do you feel that uh, we are rising into the occasion or rising to the occasion and viewing our potential leaders within the realm of that which is necessary for leading such a far-flung mm-hmm. and multi-layered society as we have them? Are we the people rising to that challenge that we would hope our leaders to help us overcome? I don't think we are. I think we could do a a better job, but I don't think it's all our fault. I think that we have such complex lives now that, you know, technology, everybody's running. Most of us have, you know, multiple jobs. We don't have a lot of time to do research on who we elect. So we have allowed political parties to make those decisions for us, and then we show up and select from basically who the party has selected. And so for a very long period of time, that has allowed us to, I think, give away some of our power and our analysis of selecting the best people for us. I think that there has been some awakening within the last, I would say, 10 years of folk to do a more comprehensive look at their elected officials and begin to ask the questions that we need to ask for the maintenance of a democracy or a a republic. You know, we have to be informed and educated in order for us to make the right decisions as to who will speak on our behalf. And if we don't do the best job that we can do in choosing then, you know, we, we, we really end up with what we've chosen. Well, we're out of time in this segment, so we're going to take a short break right now. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're continuing our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience.
The Times Talk, of course, happens at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library in downtown Milledgeville. And if you're enjoying our conversation, please consider coming out and being a part of it at noon on Wednesdays. Today we're talking about diversity within the halls of power, and I'm joined by Dr. Veronica Womack. She's a professor of political science in public administration, and she's also the chief diversity officer here at Georgia College. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. We're having another Times Talk conversation today, and today we're focusing on diversity within the halls of power. Joining me in the studio is Dr. Veronica Womack. She's the Chief Diversity Officer here at Georgia College, but I think very much germane to this conversation, she's a professor of political science and public administration. Now, in that last segment, we were talking about how we view diversity within our nation and how we view kind of our political class. And I think to start off this conversation, you know, we talked about uh, some of the problems that we're experiencing right now and our perceptions about things and how useful those are for addressing the challenges that we have. And I thought just to uh, broaden out the conversation, how did we get to the point where we are today? Well, I think there's a couple of factors that have caused the situation that we have. One of them, of course, I think is is the enormous amounts of money that play a major role in our politics. So at this time, we have a system that requires most of our elected officials, particularly at the national level, to raise enormous amounts of money. And in order to do that, they spend a majority. If you, if you talk to any of our nationally elected officials, they will tell you that most of their time is spent raising money, talking to donors, so that they can can run effective campaigns. And as a result of that, there's a lack or a disconnect between the people in their districts or the folk that vote for them. And so how do we have a system that is legitimate in the eyes of the American people if the sole factor that's connecting most of our elected officials is their ability to raise large amounts of money? Even in our home district of Georgia, you know, we're, we're not in a metropolis by any means in Baldwin County, but I can assure you that the people that represent us nationally had to raise millions of dollars in order to be successful in our district. And so I think it's important for us to start to think about what role does money play in who we are able to select to represent us at the national level. I also think it's important for us to think about the influence of party 
and how the two major political parties have, in my opinion, been very successful at keeping out other parties in this political system that we have and have limited who we have to select from. And so I think in this point in time, when we think about diversity, how diverse are our political candidates that we choose from? That's something that we, we as I think American citizens would do well to think about. Well, and there's so many things that I would love to, <laughs> I think we could have a show on like three subjects that you mm-hmm. just encapsulated within that mm-hmm. last one. Personally, when I think about when we have allowed the coffers to swing open mm-hmm. and all this money to come into mm-hmm. politics, mm-hmm. A, a smart operator mm-hmm. is going to be donating to both sides Most of definitely. the political argument. Most and definitely. so that way, win or lose within that election, that same point of view is still put forth um, based upon the amount of influence that person has had into that candidate. Yes. Uh, which I find to be, you know, extremely troubling. But also, uh, for many years, I've thought about the two-party system, and it as a, a handicap mm-hmm. to our true development as politically conscious people. Mm-hmm. And that these big tent parties mm-hmm. tend to drown out the margins of mm-hmm. ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're on a college campus, mm-hmm. and this is one of those uh, awful games that we'd like to play. But if mm-hmm. we were to go outside and just start asking people, is the two-party system mm-hmm. a part of our Constitution, with our familiarity with just these two parties, I would think the resounding answer would be yes. Mm-hmm. And that just uh, marginalizes, you know, so many of the different ideas. Mm -hmm. And as we like to think of in this environment, so many of the innovative ideas that could come up from just trying to push up a diversity of of different viewpoints and perspectives. Most definitely. And even when you look within those parties, as you said, the very diversity of of ideas are drowned out in the two-party system, regardless of it's the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. And so I think we as Americans have to think about in the 21st century with the complexity of our society, of the diversity of our society, is this a system that continues to really work for us in the way that we have utilized it? How important is it for us to revisit the rules within both of those parties to make sure that a diverse perspective is at the table when we make our selection about who is going to represent the parties, what issues will be on the platform, how are those decisions really made? And from what lens are the people that are making those decisions, what lens are they using? Are there a diversity of people at the table or is it the loudest voices or the most moneyed voices that have their way with party platforms? One thing I want to uh, harken back to when we talk about uh, the use of money in there, and you're talking about the amount of times that our representatives um, at any level mm-hmm. spend actually raising money. Mm-hmm. It is such a perversity in the modern scene in that you would think that a representative going out there and campaigning all the time would be making themselves available to the diversity of ideas mm-hmm. of many constituencies. Mm-hmm. But um, the way that our campaign finance laws have changed it, they're really really only going after that one thing, which is the money. Right. And those select few, as we've learned in this last 10 years, you know, these uh, the difference between the 99% and the 1%, mm. you know, they're going to that select few for the fuel for their campaign. Oh, most definitely. They have 24 hours in their day just like we do. 
you know, if you have only a an allotted time that you can utilize during the day, you're trying to get as much bang for the buck as you possibly can. Going to donors that are tried and true, that you know you can get the resources from, is a winning strategy. But where do we fall, those of us that may not have the resources to be able to get the resources to our elected officials? So I think there needs to really be a revisit of how our system is set up so that it is reflective of all of the people, regardless of those that can afford to to provide financial resources or not. And just to look at who is in office and the backgrounds that they have, I don't see a lot of teachers. I don't see a lot of folk who maybe work the soil. I don't see a lot of ordinary people being able to go to Washington to be decision makers. And so those perspectives, those life perspectives and experiences that they could bring their voice to, they simply are not able to do that. And so we're left with people who may not necessarily, regardless of their color or gender, may not necessarily have the perspectives of those of us who work every day, right? or have to pay student loans, or pay our mortgage off, or whatever. Those experiences at the table when we're making policies about those issues, that's the diversity that I'm interested in us having a conversation about. Of course, there's two types of representation, descriptive and substantive. So descriptive representation based on physical characteristics There's a female running for office. I'm a female, so there's some connection there with experience. But also substantive representation, that that person is pushing policies that I need. And I think it's important for us to have representation that allows for policies that are beneficial to a lot of different people and not just a narrow few because they can afford to push policy. Well, it's happened again. We're out of time in this segment, so we're going to take another short break. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. We're having another of our Times Talk conversations. Of course, the Times Talk is a weekly symposium of ideas and current events that takes place at noon Wednesdays in the Ina Dillard Russell Library on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. Please consider this your invitation to come out and join this discussion This Wednesday at noon in the Georgia College Library. Today we're talking about diversity within the halls of power. I'm joined by Dr. Veronica Womack. She is a professor of political science and public administration and the chief diversity officer here at Georgia College. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections.
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. We're talking today about diversity within the halls of power. I'm joined by Dr. Veronica Womack. She's a professor of political science and public administration and the chief diversity officer here at Georgia College. We're joining in another of our Times Talk conversations. So if you're enjoying our conversation right now, please consider coming out at noon tomorrow to join in that conversation and allow your voice to be heard. Now, this is such a broad topic, mm -hmm. and there's so many ways um, that we could talk about it. Mm -hmm. And we have talked about a number of those ways, but I mm -hmm. feel we're still scratching at mm -hmm. the surface of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, due to the time restraints of, mm -hmm. our, of our show, I want to leave a, a special amount of time for this, uh, our final question okay. as always, which is, you know, as you go into the Times Talk tomorrow, what do you hope that the audience takes away from the conversation? I think I'm definitely hoping that they expand their definition of diversity and that they understand that when we look at our elected officials, that we need to look beyond just the physical descriptives that that person has to policies that that person is actually promoting. I also hope that we have a dialogue that will pique the interest of people, that they begin to have a real conversation and analyze where the monies are coming from for the people that they elect. So there's a wonderful website called opensecrets.org where you can actually go and look at where the campaign finances come from for elected officials. And I think that's an important exercise because it's important for people to have some transparency in who is funding representatives, the people that are speaking on their behalf. So I'm really hoping that we have a more active and learned or, or knowledgeable electorate. I take the role of citizen very, I take it very seriously. And so we have been given a gift by our ancestors to be in a country where we have an opportunity to participate and actually select who will lead our nation. And so we have to do our part. We have no one to blame but ourselves in whatever system we inherit or that we give to our, our children or the next generation. And so I do see folk really beginning to, to awaken to being more active in having exchanges with their elected officials and representatives, and I hope that will continue. Do you feel that we have just discounted the work of even a Republican form of democracy? Well, I don't think we've discounted it. I think that maybe we have not supported it as much as we need to. I think that we got a little bit lax in our responsibility, but I, I feel like we're awakening the silent majority. That um, uh, I think it was, was it Nixon that, that talked about that silent majority? I think we're awakening the people in terms of their really wanting to be more involved in what goes on in D.C. and the decisions that are being made. I think it'll be interesting to look at the next election and maybe the next two elections as to whether my prediction will be correct or not. Yeah. As if it's not the heat of the argument, but about the subjects we are arguing about. Yes, most definitely. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. And I think that that's the beauty of the system that we have, that we have this opportunity to really begin a 21st century discussion about how we want this nation to work and how the politics should work. 
So I'm looking forward to these discussions that we'll be having in the future. And, and I'm hoping that we'll begin to expand the conversation and the analysis of the people that represent us, not just looking at the demographic profile only, but looking at the lens at which they're going to be analyzing policy, because that's the most important piece for all of us. Well, we're out of time in our show today, but Dr. Womack, I want to thank you for enriching the lens through which I'm looking at this, because as I said earlier in the conversation, um, the article uh, Mm -hmm. led me to a very surface level Mm -hmm. look at Mm -hmm. our topic today. But, Mm -hmm. you know, through conversation with you, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, pulling from a much deeper well. When I saw the, the article, I said this would be a great article for us as liberal arts folk to really read between the lines and see what is on paper and what's omitted. So what are the the types of diversity that were not even discussed in this article that would bring some rich experience to policymaking? I think we'll have a really good conversation on tomorrow. And I hope you'll join us out there. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. This was another in our series of collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. I want to invite you again to the Times Talk, which takes place at noon each Wednesday in the Ina Dillard Russell Library on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. It's a free and open to the public event, so please consider coming out and joining the conversation. Today, we talked about diversity within the halls of power and I was joined by Dr. Veronica Womack. She's a professor of political science and public administration and also our chief diversity officer here at Georgia College. I've been your host Daniel McDonald. I want you to know it's been my pleasure spending a portion of this evening with you here on WRGC 88.3 FM Georgia College Connections and I want you to know also that I look forward to convening with you next time.